Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Hear now the word of the Lord from Psalm 91. This is God's holy, inerrant, infallible word. Please take heed how you hear. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall by your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your God, the Lord your dwelling place, the most, the most high, who is your, my refuge. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No t- plague shall come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and on the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. We don't know much about the origins of this psalm. There's no title to be able to tell us. We don't know who wrote it. Some say that it was Moses. Followed after Psalm 90. It's similar to other passages Moses has written, Deuteronomy 32 and 33. Others say David is the author of this psalm, maybe following the events, what happened in 2 Samuel chapter 24. But we do not know who penned this psalm. But this psalm is an interesting psalm. One has called it antiphonal psalm, an antiphonal arrangement. Best modern day example of this is what we might call a call and response of scripture reading. That a person calls and quotes scripture and there comes a response from the people. Now it's normally used in musical terms of two parts. Sung either by two people or played by two different groups. The first group plays and the second response. The first group plays again and the second response. This most likely is the setting of Psalm 91. 
You notice as you read through it, it changes. That God is my fortress. He changes and says, God will protect you. God will deliver you. And those last two verses, three verses, where it says, I will deliver him. This psalm back and forth. But finally, God joins in the choir. He joins with the last word. We see it look something like this. Verses 1 and 2, person 1. Then person 2 responds with verses 3 and 4. Person 1 again begins with verses 5 and 8. And person 2 in verses 9 to 13. But finally God speaks in verses 14 to 16. You could say that this psalm is a perfect example of what Paul penned in Colossians 3.16. And he said, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your hearts to God. And Psalm 191 is a perfect example of this. That we see that we, as we dwell the word of Christ, Christ dwells in us, that we teach and admonish one another. So the outline tonight is just that antiphonal structure of the psalm. Person 1 begins summarizing, saying, The godly are at home with God. The godly are at home with God, verses 1 and 2. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. Saying, uh, goes, that home is where your heart is. Now there's different origins of things like this. No one can be too sure. There's three suggested origins. There's a Roman naval uh, commander known as Pliny the Elder in AD 23 to 79. It's attributed to him. Second is Lord Byron, a famous poet, in 1819, in his poem, Don Juan. He writes this. He'd entered in the house, his home no more. For without hearts, there is no home, and felt. The solitude of passing his own door, without a welcome, there he longed, he, there he long had dwelt. But the most likely candidate is actually from a newspaper in North Carolina, the Fayetteville Weekly Observer, in 1829. If at all, this is where we get the terms that we use, in a poem that says this, "'Tis home where the heart is, wherever its loved ones dwell." In cities, in cities or in cottages, throng haunts or mossy dwell. The hearts are rover ever, and thus on wave and wild. The maiden with her lover walks, the mother with her child. We don't know exactly where that saying came from. The home is where the heart is, but most likely came popular after that North Carolina newspaper. But the statement remains the same. The statement is true that home is where your heart is. And for the godly, 
Their home is with God. Remember back to Psalm 90, just the psalm prior to this. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. And Psalm 91 begins, He who dwells. You could say the story of the Bible is an overarching question. Where is your home? Where will you dwell forever? Where do you dwell today? Did the fall cast man out of the presence of God, but the covenant of grace brings us back to God's presence? Or more likely, a better way to say it is the covenant of grace brings God's presence to us. That we are to dwell. It's found throughout the Psalms of what we find that those who dwell and make their home with God, they find safety, Psalm 4. They see beauty, Psalm 24. They stand in amazement, Psalm 65. They receive aid, Psalm 68. They sing praise, Psalm 84. They encounter favor, Psalm 101. They're united, Psalm 133. They give thanks, Psalm 140. And to dwell is not merely just to dwell in a house of, for a couple of nights, but it is to dwell for a long period of time. It is like a seed that falls to the ground and it says that I will spend the rest of my days in this dirt. I will dwell here. I will send my roots deep down. This will be my home. And this is what the godly say, that I am at home with God. This is why missionaries can pack up a suitcase and move to the far corners of the globe and say that I may not be around any family. I may be in desperate conditions. I may be hungry and I may be tired. I may not have a lot of people and believers around me, but I am not alone because I dwell in the shelter of the Most High. I abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Let this be a reminder to us, dear Christians, that this is not our home. That we may have a passport that bears a seal, but that passport will expire. However, we have a greater passport that does not expire, that will last forever. We have a passport with a better seal set upon its cover. Our heavenly passport. Where God is. Where we will dwell with God forever. That home is where your heart is. We often need to be reminded of this. That our heart should be with God. Sadly, sometimes it is not set on God. Sadly, we seek to be able to make our home here. On earth. Then person two responds. The godly are protected under his wings. Verse three and four. Second person begins to speak in response. Affirming what has said before. But also encouraging the person all the more. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions. And under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. The first person speaks of God in four different ways. The Most High, Elyon. 
the Almighty El Shaddai, the Lord, the covenant-keeping God, Yahweh, and God, Elohim. The second person builds on what is said before. To speak of what the Lord God Almighty, the Most High, will do. That he will protect the godly from traps of men and disease of the body. There's a beautiful image, I think, that we should ponder often. Found in verse 4. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. The beautiful image of a bird protecting their young. That we are like but the little birds, unable to protect ourselves. But as we walk along the road, there is a shadow that covers us. A shadow that shows something else. The shadow doesn't protect us. But it is what the shadow signifies that protects us. It's the reason behind the shadow. And the shadow for the believer is the Lord God Almighty who is most high. This glorious image of the godly. That as the godly may wander from the shadow, they are not home. You could say that home is where your shadow is. Cannot spend a lot of time on this, but I encourage you to look things up for yourself. This beautiful image that is used throughout the Bible. Here are a couple, though. Psalm 36, verse 7. How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Or Psalm 57, verse 1. Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will find refuge. Till the storms of destruction pass by. That here we take refuge in the shadow of the Almighty. As the storm rages around us, we take refuge in Him. That the godly are protected under His wings. Then person one responds again. Again, you see, encouraging one another with this psalm. The godly are at home. The godly are protected. And here person one says, The godly are not afraid of the wicked. Verse 5 and 8. The person points out that in any danger, in any place, in any time, the godly have no reason to be afraid. He lists uh, of all these dangers, terror in verse 5, arrows in verse 5, pestilence in verse 6, destruction in verse 6, death in verse 7. And you think you've had a bad week. But I think we could all say that we haven't had the flying arrows, the stalking pestilence, the wasting destruction, the encompassing death that surrounds us. But not only any terror, any danger, but also he wants to point out at any time we are protected. Whether it's night or day, whether it's in the darkness of the night or in the height when the sun is at noonday, that here God protects us through any trials that we may face. The image of that of a shadow is very comforting to us when the 
The sun is high in the sky and it seeks to be able to cover us. But the image should be more comforting even in the darkness. When we might not even be able to even see the shadow. There is no light to be able to cast the shadow. But it doesn't matter because God still is with us. He still protects us. That we might not be able to see his shadow. We not, might not be able to see the effects of God's wings covering us, but he is still here. Then person two brings this all together. Summarizes all that is said before. That the godly are not afraid because they are protected at home by God. The godly are not afraid of anything because... In verse 9, he, he summarizes it this way. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High who is my refuge. Again, we see this back and forth of building one another up. He brings it back to verse 1 when person 1 said that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. And here... Person 2 summarizes, says, Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Lord High, who is my refuge. We have here a, a perfect example from Scripture of how people can talk to one another, to encourage one another, to use Scripture to point one another back to God. But we also here have a perfect example of how people twist and distort the Scriptures. But Psalm 91 is quoted in the New Testament. Not for good reasons, it's actually quoted by Satan. When Jesus has been tempted in the wilderness. This psalm does not then say that a believer walks around with some form of special force field or supernatural power. That we can make the claim, such as found in verse 7, a thousand may follow your side, ten thousand at your right hand and will not come near you. That we cannot just go walk in the middle of battle and think that because we have God, we would be protected. It's actually used of Satan, like I said before, in Matthew chapter 4. When the devil took Jesus up to the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they shall bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Here he quotes, Psalm 91, verse 11, and then again, verse 12. Now, Satan has many tactics. Considering the Word of God, I think he has three main tactics that he uses. He seeks to be able to first question God's Word, as he did with Adam and Eve. Did God really say? Here, he actually quotes Scripture verbatim does not add to or take away from Scripture, but he quotes Scripture. But we need to be aware 
He often does not quote scripture correctly. Does not understand the Bible. As many people might be able to quote verses and support their ideologies. But it's not what the Bible teaches. Or at other times, he adds to God's word. The accuser of the brethren, bringing forth all these false charges, adding to God's word. But this is why we need one another. In Colossians 3.16, as I read before, though we shall let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in our hearts to God. But Christ's response is to quote more scripture back to Satan. In verse 7 of chapter 4 of Matthew, Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. We should be very cautious in just seeking to be able to apply this verse and thinking that we understand exactly what it means without true biblical wisdom. We see this psalm as a perfect example of two people who through their godly conversation are encouraged and possibly admonished, not knowing the situation. We don't know of their views prior to this. That we need not be afraid of having these godly conversations. We should actually have more. It's not natural in our culture. I know in Australia, there's few things you speak of, especially religion and politics. It's something you do by yourself, but don't talk about with others. I think here we have the communion of saints, where we are to encourage one another, to point others to the the truths of who God is in times of trials and troubles, in terrors and pestilence, that we need to be able to exhort and encourage one another like these two people do, to remind one another of the truths that we find in the Scriptures. But there is one final person that speaks. Person number three. They say that the godly are loved, known and satisfied and saved by God. In verses 14 to 16. The psalm does not end with person one and person two. There is a third person who begins to speak. Who gets the last word? And this person in the psalm represents God. Now we do not know enough about this psalm to be able to get the answer of if these are specific words God spoke. There is nowhere is mentioned God said this. But we do see a change. Instead of my God, or he will deliver you. It turns to, I will deliver him. That he calls to me. Verses 14 to 16, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him and I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That this special relationship goes further than just a shadow or a tower. 
in a building in which we take refuge in. But the same person of he who dwells is spoken about in these verses. That the Most High, the Almighty, the covenant-keeping Yahweh, God, He is the one who will deliver us. He is the one who will protect us. Why? Because He knows my name. We could spend a long time pondering these verses. That the Most High, the Almighty Lord God knows our name. That when we call, He will answer. That He will rescue us and He will honor us. That we will find a long life in Him. That life will be filled with satisfaction. That we find salvation in Him and He shows it to us. That this psalm becomes quite personal. And you cannot but wonder if Psalm 91 was going through the Apostle Paul's mind when he was writing Romans 8. What can we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long and we are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Or as Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. O gracious and most merciful Father, we give you thanks and praise that you are the one in which we seek to dwell. Lord, we seek to be able to come underneath your shadow, the Almighty God. We pray that as we wander through this life, that we would see that our home is not here, but with you. Help us to live this life where we are walking close to you. That we, that nothing shall separate us from the love of Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Seven Springs Presbyterian Church. If you want to learn more about us, please find us on Facebook or visit us at sevenspringspresbyterian.com. Seven Springs Presbyterian Church began in 1874 and is a congregation of the Presbyterian Church in America located in Glade Spring, Virginia. Please join us for worship on Sunday at 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. for His glory and His gospel.